Welcome to Upstate New York Autocross. Upstate New York Autocross is brought to you by Storage Off-Season. When it's time to put away your toys for the off-season, check out storageoffseason.com. Whether you're a seasoned cone dodger, new to the sport, or just thinking about trying autocross, we hope you'll find something valuable in our Upstate New York Autocross podcasts. Our objective is to provide information on autocross in general, with an emphasis on autocross activity in upstate New York. This is episode 17. Today's topic, getting there. I'm your host, Mark Mangicaro. We have had a lot of discussions on this podcast about autocross and autocrossing, but we haven't spent much time talking about your choices for getting the car to the event. Do you drive it or tow it? If you tow, do you opt for an open trailer or an enclosed one? Are there other alternatives? In this episode, we'll look at the pros and cons of each option. While the focus is on autocross options, much of this will also apply to rallycross, HPDE, and even some forms of amateur racing. So feel free to share this podcast with all of your competitive driving enthusiast friends. Walk around a typical autocross paddock, and you'll see that most people simply drive the car that they're going to compete in to the event. Almost everybody starts this way. I know I did, and some people do their entire autocross career, if you want to call it a career, uh, their entire autocross career of driving their car to the event. It's a very popular way to do it. It's convenient. Obviously, your car needs to be registered for street use uh, if you're going to do that. Um, And it's usually the least expensive. I suppose there could be times when it's not, depending on the type of car that it is and the maintenance and whatnot that you require. There's little or no extra space at home required if you're going to be driving your autocross car to the event. So that's obviously a really big plus, especially for people who have relatively limited space at their home. You're, of course, very familiar with the car's controls and how it handles. So once you get the car prepped for the event and you start getting on course, everything just kind of falls into place the way you're used to driving it because you literally just drove it there. Speaking of driving there, some people will say half the fun is getting there. And for a lot of us auto enthusiasts, when we go out and do other things that aren't car competition events, maybe we're going to go visit a friend somewhere that's an hour away or something, then yeah, maybe half the fun is getting there. And you know, you do get to enjoy the ride into the event if you're driving your competition car. So that's nice. And then again, of course, on the way home. You can apply a lot of what you learn at autocross when you drive on the street, especially when it comes to accident avoidance type stuff. The whole looking ahead and anticipating things and you know making sure you're holding the wheel properly and good seating position and all that. And here again, if it's in the car that you drive all the time, that's going to transfer immediately and directly. So those are the pros for driving your competition car to the event. Now let's take a look at some of the cons of driving your car to the event. You have to remove items you keep in your car. Maybe you've got some work-related stuff that's always in there. 
your golf clubs, a stroller for the little one, whatever junk is in your trunk and everywhere else, it's all coming out before autocross. You have to load your autocross day stuff, your helmet, a bin, maybe tires, Uh, no room for autocross tires, well, then you'll probably have to swap your tires at home and arrive on them. There's limited space to bring items that are big, like a tent or cooler or awkward, maybe like a floor jack. This is especially true for two-seaters. And, you know, multiple-day events can be a challenge depending on your exact configuration. And, of course, you'll probably want to put all that trunk junk back in once you get home, change the wheels and tires back, unload everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you happen to have a wagon or a decent-sized hatchback, all this is less of a concern. Half the fund is getting there. Well, yes, that can be the case. Uh, But depending on your car setup, if you're one of those classes where you've got some really stiff suspension and you've made some other modifications to the car, uh, maybe that ride there turns into more of a punishment uh, than a reward. And then, of course, on the ride home, you know, after a full day, you're going to get that same level of punishment if it's a really stiff setup. Lastly, and this is probably what gets people to uh, start thinking about trailers, how hard do you really want to push it? If something breaks on Sunday afternoon, do you have a plan to get the car home and also get yourself to work the next morning if this is your daily driver? The further the event is from your home, the bigger many of these negative factors become. Although most people drive their competition car to the event, I bet that half, maybe more, of those people also have another car or truck they can drive the next day. After all, we are a bunch of car nuts. Towing opens up a lot of options. Some people tow competition cars that are street legal, and if you own a competition car that's not street legal, then towing is pretty much your only choice to get it to an event. Open car trailers can be very versatile. Trips to Home Depot or Lowe's for all that stuff that won't fit in your car or those silly little four-foot truck beds. Anything really big that you buy on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, you know, like another car. And of course, once your friends hear you have an open trailer, you will become even more popular than you already are. Seriously, open trailers are relatively easy to tow if you get one in the 18 to 22 foot range, and the aluminums are surprisingly light. It is possible to tow an autocross car with some midsize SUVs or pickups if you get the right trailer and have an autocross car that is not excessively heavy. If you've never owned a trailer before and or never towed on a regular basis, be smart about it and talk to people who own trailers and use them regularly for transporting their cars. You might be surprised how many different configurations there are for open trailers. There are pluses and minuses to each of them. We could do an entire episode on towing, but for now, just know that there are some trailers that can transport your car, but are not set up to accommodate loading a low-clearance car on them. 
if you can't get the car in the trailer or can't get out of the car once it's on the trailer, it won't do you much good. You need to pay attention to that before you buy a trailer. So why get an open trailer? Assuming your autocross car is not your daily driver, and I suspect that is the case for at least half of the people I know who autocross, the biggest reason is probably because trailering means you no longer have to worry about the adverse impacts performance modifications can have on streetability. If you are exclusively driving the car for its modified purpose, or purposes as the case may be, there is no reason to hold back on suspension changes that would be punishing on the street. If you're running in a class that permits removal of things like air conditioning, interior panels, window glass, and other non-essential weight, go ahead and do it. The same goes for exhaust and engine tuning, again, assuming it is allowed in your class. Somewhat related to the modifications aspect is reliability. Because you're not planning on driving your competition car home if and when, and if you do this long enough and push hard enough, there will be a when. When something on the car breaks, fails, stops working, or otherwise makes it impossible or unsafe to drive it on the street, you can still get home. Just drive, push, or winch the car in the trailer and drive home safely, if a little disappointed, in the tow vehicle. Having a tow vehicle also means you have a whole bunch of space to pack things that you want to bring to the event, and you can leave them in the truck until you need them, if you need them. This includes a full set of tires, maybe two sets of tires. Depending on your specific setup, you might be able to leave most of what you need in the tow vehicle all the time. You could even stuff things in the car, but most people who trailer like the convenience of unstrapping the car at the event and having it all ready to go, or almost all ready to go. Speaking of stuffing the car, some of that stuff is for the car and some of it is for the driver. I once had to drive my MR2 to an event that required an overnight stay and happened to have rain on event day. Although I spent hours planning and utilizing every precious square inch of space for that trip, I was desperately wishing I could have found a way to bring the trailer that day. Even though I had some rain protection, I still needed to bring home stuff that did get wet. I gave away my tarp because it was wet, and I had a two-and-a-half-hour drive home with nowhere to put it. My point here is that once you get used to having lots of options that a trailer allows, it is difficult to be forced back into compromises for everything. What are the cons? Well, you're going to need a tow vehicle. This tow vehicle needs to be registered and insured and will, of course, require maintenance. The trailer also needs to be registered, and while trailer maintenance is pretty straightforward, it also needs to be maintained. There are expenses involved with the purchase and maintenance of any vehicle. Depending on your mechanical ability, driving record, and bank balance, the cost may be surprisingly reasonable. This is especially true if your tow vehicle is your daily driver. If you are lucky enough to own a trailer for your business that can tow your car, then your additional costs are very small. On the other hand, the cost could be prohibitively expensive if your circumstances are quite different. Once you have the truck and trailer, you'll need to store them somewhere. 
If you have a dedicated competition car that you already keep outside, having a trailer under it really doesn't take up much more space. But most people like to keep their competition cars in a garage. Unless you have a large garage, that likely means the trailer is going to be outside. And the tow vehicle needs a home, too. Here again, if the tow vehicle is your daily driver, that's not an issue. If you live in a city, these could be big obstacles. Heck, you might not even have any off-street parking available to you. On the other hand, if you live in the country with acres of open area, space is not an issue. A lot of people have some extra space, but not a lot of it, or their HOAs flat-out prohibit trailers or limit the number of vehicles that can be outside. Everyone's circumstances are different. When I was first looking for a trailer, I initially was planning to get an open trailer for a lot of the reasons discussed earlier. At the time, I was also in the process of buying a dedicated autocross car and not entirely sure whether or not I wanted to leave it outside all the time. As it turns out, I ended up buying a car that was far too nice to leave outside, and I didn't want to evict my daily driver from the garage. So, I figured I would kill two birds with one stone. You know, an enclosed trailer is a little like a portable garage. You can store the car in it all the time if you like. You can also store quite a lot of tools, extra parts, and miscellaneous stuff out of the elements and out of sight. Everything that was said about open trailers as it relates to your car can also be said about enclosed trailers. And quite a bit of the versatility is also the same for both open and closed trailers, although there are some differences. For example, it'd be pretty difficult to get four cubic yards of bulk mulch in and out of an enclosed trailer. Then again, if you buy a new living room set and want to save money on delivery, an enclosed trailer ensures your new sofa is not exposed to rain, birds, and whatever else is flying around the air that day. Well, back to the main reason for the trailer, your competition car. Enclosed trailers offer many advantages over open trailers. First and somewhat obvious is that whatever's in the trailer is not going to be exposed to the elements. Keeping the car and all the other stuff out of the elements during transport and also while stationary is probably one of the top two reasons people opt for an enclosed trailer. Whether they started out with an empty box or bought the trailer with some things permanently mounted to it, practically everyone who has an enclosed trailer has several ways to secure things not only to the floor, but also to the walls, from the ceiling, and stored in cabinets, maybe all the above. This is almost certainly the other of the top two reasons to get an enclosed trailer. You can carry more things in an enclosed trailer than an open one, and also more easily access them. This is especially true during inclement weather. Speaking of weather, enclosed trailers are a convenient place to gather during a lunch break when it's raining or cold and windy. Did you get soaking wet, working coarse, and now the sun's out? An enclosed trailer is a nice place to change into some of those extra clothes that you keep in the cabinet. Assuming your enclosed trailer is locked, when you're on the road and stop for lunch or even for the night, you have a greater peace of mind that your belongings are safer from wandering troublemakers than they would be if they were sitting out in the open air.
Much like there are a lot of different types of open trailers, there are many, many options when it comes to enclosed trailers. Some are simply an 8-foot-wide empty box that's anywhere between 20 to 53 feet long. Others are massively complex and expensive feats of engineering that can stack cars on top of each other with full living quarters, including multiple slide-outs up front and a work area in between. Lots of options. My first enclosed trailer was a basic box with some e-track on the walls and four D-rings on the floor. For a lot of people, heck, probably for most people, that's all you need. That trailer served me well for a year while I planned out my current trailer that includes some basic RV features, plumbing and heat. I keep a microwave and a coffee maker in one of the cabinets and strap a rollaway bed to the wall. It's not the Ritz-Carlton, but it's good enough for one or two nights in a rest area or a Walmart parking lot. Seven years and 32,000 miles later, I'm glad I took the time to plan out my long-term trailer. I bought both trailers from Davis Trailer World. They're great people. I've been recommending them to friends for years. As far as your tow vehicle goes, unless you have a really light competition car and get the smallest, lightest trailer that the car will fit inside, you're going to need a full-size pickup truck or van to tow it. Most of today's half-ton pickup trucks actually have a payload capacity that is three-quarters of a ton, maybe even a touch more. Quite a few of them also have pretty high tow ratings. Most of these trucks will do just fine pulling a 20-foot or perhaps a 24-foot enclosed trailer all day, every day, as long as the trailer is on the lighter side of things and you're not bringing two spare engines and a spare transmission everywhere you go. Generally speaking, you do not want to tow more than 80% of the rated capacity on a regular basis. And please, make sure you have tow mirrors on the truck. Otherwise, you are tempting fate. Let's look at the drawbacks to an enclosed trailer. Because the trailer has walls and a roof, it will be heavier than an open trailer that's the same size. How much heavier depends on a lot of factors. But the bigger issues are actually aerodynamics and sight lines. Enclosed trailers create a lot more drag than open ones. From an aerodynamic standpoint, you might as well be pulling an 8-foot-wide brick wall that's 7 or 8 feet tall, hovering a foot off the ground. Air is being forced over it, under it, and around it. Zero air is going through it. Oh, and some trailers are even taller. The V-nose trailers, that doesn't really make much of a difference. They've got their advantages in other ways, to be sure. But you're kidding yourself if you think a V-nose trailer is going to save you on fuel consumption or power requirements compared to a flat front. What I said earlier about half-ton trucks is true. But I've yet to meet a three-quarter-ton truck owner who pulls an enclosed trailer and wished it was a half-ton. You may have noticed I didn't make any references to 18-foot enclosed trailers. Honestly, I hesitated to even mention the 20-foot enclosed trailers. The reason for this is because all of the strapping down has to happen within the trailer, and because the walls need support, the D-rings are not likely to be at the very back or the very front of the trailer. Since the car's wheels will be relatively close to the inside walls of the trailer, Accessing tow points almost always has to be done from directly behind 
and directly in front of the car. Unless you opt for an escape door that swings up to allow the driver's door to open, getting out of the car once it's in the trailer can be tricky, and doubly so if your car door has a frame that goes all the way around the window. Generally speaking, enclosed trailers cost more than open trailers. Sometimes they cost a lot more. For the most part, we're talking really low in the five-figure range, but if you add a lot of fancy options, you can get to the mid-five figures pretty quickly. The most elaborate units approach or even surpass six figures for a trailer. Here again, it is best to talk to people who own enclosed trailers and use them regularly to transport their competition cars. Some things can be easily added later, some modifications are more difficult, and some things, like the length of the trailer, are darn near impossible to change after the fact. There are a few more towing options worth mentioning. Let's start with the concept of using your competition car as your tow vehicle. In this case, you're not towing another car, but rather a small, lightweight trailer that's just big enough for four mounted tires, a jack stand, a small bin for a few tools, and if you're lucky, maybe a cooler. Most people either fab up a homemade trailer or get the smallest one from Harbor Freight and use that as their starting point. This is especially popular with people who have two-seaters. Not every car is ready to tow, but just about any car can tow something. The trailer suspension and wheels carry 80 to 90% of the weight. So if the trailer only weighs 100 pounds and you've got another 150 pounds on top of it, that's not much different than having a 250-pound passenger. A trailer like this really does not take up much space, and you may even be able to store it vertically. So squeezing it into your garage, heck, maybe even in your garden shed, is certainly a possibility. Really, the only downside to this option is that your drive to and from the event will necessarily be less spirited. If you have a tow vehicle, but don't own a trailer, and are only going to do a handful of events every year, you might consider renting an auto transport trailer from U-Haul. At the time of this recording, one of these will cost you around $60 a day in most places in upstate New York, assuming that's a round-trip rental. I've used these a few times, and they work well. But like any trailer, they might have a hard time with really low-clearance vehicles. They also may not handle really wide tires, so it would be a good idea to do a test fit before you rent. To the best of my knowledge, there is only one style of U-Haul auto transporter, but it would not hurt to double check. The downsides here are that it requires two trips to U-Haul each time, and that first trip is almost certainly going to be the day before the event. If you time it right, you might be able to get by with a 24-hour rental and you're at the mercy of equipment availability. Note that many small U-Haul stores don't rent the auto transport. Given the low cost, these seem pretty reasonable to me. Just keep in mind that if the U-Haul store is 30 minutes from your home, 
you're looking at adding 90 minutes to your task plus the time to do the paperwork, so call it two hours. Again, if you're only doing this a few times a year, it can be a good option. There is one last towing option I'm aware of, and I'll admit it's a bit of an odd one. In fact, I've only seen it one time. If you happen to own a dump trailer, most of which have D-rings for moving skid steers and such, you may be able to get your car in there. You'll need to have a convertible and likely leave the top down while you tow. The one time I saw it, the driver was transporting his Miata. These trailers are a lot more expensive than an open car trailer of a similar size and definitely not as flexible for car transporting. But if you happen to already own one, it's something to think about. It's been said that horse racing is a sport of kings. You can feel like royalty or professional race driver when you autocross with our final option. And it might even cost you less money than the other options. How's that, you're wondering? Well, the last option is what I like to call arrive and drive. Now, if you've got crazy money and a personal assistant to organize everything for you, this is what you're planning on doing in the first place, in which case I'm not sure why you're listening to this podcast. But thanks for listening just the same. Seriously, if you are a co-driver and the other person is responsible for getting the car to the event, all you have to do is show up and smile. Okay, that works once or twice a year, and it should go without saying that if you want to continue to do that, you need to at least offer to reciprocate. Then the other guy can show up and smile. I've lost track of how many people have been nice enough to let me co-drive their cars over the years, and also how many people I've allowed to co-drive my cars. Co-driving is probably a good topic for a future podcast, so for now, I'll just say that it can be a lot of fun. Hmm. I wonder... What if we combine some of these concepts? Maybe you own a car and your co-driver owns the truck and the trailer. Hey, that could work too. That could save you both money and only one of you needs to have a place to store the trailer. When I started thinking about this episode, I had a working title of Drive It or Tow It. But it didn't take long to realize there are a lot more than two options when it comes to getting your car to an autocross event. There are probably more options not discussed. So if you think of one, by all means, give it a try and let us know how it worked. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Storage Off Season. It's never too soon to plan for long-term storage of your car, trailer, boat, RV, or just about anything on wheels. Check out storageoffseason.com today. Thanks for listening to Upstate New York Autocross. If you have any comments about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, send an email to upstatenyautocross at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast to get future episodes automatically in your podcast player of choice. I'm Mark Mangicaro. Thanks again, and please drive safely. Drive safely.